Welcome to Directors in Dialogue, Animation Edition. My name is Christina Yee, and I'm here at the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, interviewing animation directors about their craft. In this episode, we welcome Aidan McAteer, an award-winning director at Boulder Media. He's just won an award at the 2019 Irish Animation Awards for his work on Danger Mouse. Welcome, Aidan. Thanks very much. Congratulations, because you've just won an award this weekend at the uh, festival down in Dingle. Yes, you're very kind. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And would you tell us what you won for? Uh, well, it was Best Director, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised anyway. <laughs> but it was for your work on, uh, Danger, on Danger Mouse, Mouse right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so are you all wrapped up on Danger Mouse now? Yeah, Danger Mouse finished um, for now, hopefully. You Great. know, hopefully these things will come back and we'll yeah, get more, yeah, but yeah, it's not course. something we have much control over. But yeah, so we just did last 26, including this crazy uh, sort of double length Christmas special, holiday adjacent special, <laughs> um, uh, which was this parody of Frozen that we did that, that uh, Sanju as our composer won one of the awards last night for as well, which was great. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so was Danger Mouse something that you had watched in your own childhood? It had actually, because it's... It's a funny thing, like the Irish animation industry is doing really well, and um, uh, but still a lot of the shows that people work on, they're not really seen very much. Do you know what I mean? You don't yeah. really see them. Whereas something like Danger Mouse is like a real uh, thing for me, because I did literally watch it when I was growing up, and yeah. I really liked it and everything. So, so, you know, regardless of what you think about this sort of trend for reboots and reimaginings and all that kind of stuff, um, we really tried our best. And I think we did justice to it. And a lot of people, you know, I'm think, I'm sort of... On Facebook, I'm a member of like the Cosgrove Hall, who were the original company who did it, sort of a Facebook fan page and stuff like that. And even those guys who would be super hard to impress seem to like the new Danger Mouse. Wow. Bit like, it's not the same as the old one, but it's <laughs> all right, you know. Um, yeah, so it was great. And what was that like for you, kind of approaching a project that you had been a fan of when you were younger? Well, I mean, like obviously you're super excited. The reality is that I came in you know, like for the second season. So there had already been a first season. So uh, uh, Rob Cullen had directed the first, whatever, 70 episodes or something. So uh, like at that stage, you're kind of coming in and the direction is, well, don't mess this up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, uh, for me then, what I, what I liked about it was it gave me freedom. So now you're 70, 70 episodes in, You uh, everybody knows who the characters are. You don't have to set up any worlds. And you know, people kind of know who the characters are from the original version anyway. You know, and Danger Mouse is this cool guy and Penfold's this sort of slightly bumbling guy with a heart of gold and, sure, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. So, I'm, yeah. I mean, you say that, but the thing that we always forget or, you know, not always, but is forgotten is that with all of these reboots and and re uh, remakings of shows is that the kids these days oh, have kids. not seen the original. That's true. That's true. It is true. But, uh, like, even, you know, this is sort of a mid-season thing, so... 70 episodes in, maybe they've seen one or two. And it doesn't take a lot to get the dynamics, which I think is quite nice. So what we could do uh, is just push it and break it and see if, you know, and play with all this kind of stuff and do all these kind of crazy... Um, some of them were kind of parody episodes. So, like, we, uh, we Penfold got shrunk down really small, went inside Danger Mouse. Um, we could do Love this that. this um, <laughs> uh, Frozen parody thing. We did one. I'm sort of a big uh, pixel art guy. So um, there, we did have this script that sort of kind of lent itself towards that. And then we really crammed it into this. So we, we they went to a different planet. They played this little video game in, in the show and they went to a different planet, um, planet of the giraffe warriors. And we made it all pixels and sort of, I don't know, it was hats off to the production. You know, n- nobody in the sort of fast TV turnaround production suddenly changes style for an episode. That's like a really hard thing to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And you, like <laughs> like some of the big American shows will do it. They'll do a stop motion episode or something. But even a stop motion episode is probably given to a, a different studio. Do you, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so we did it and the guys really were up to the challenge when they like the background guys can just completely change style and did all kind of pixel art backgrounds and it was sort of um, it was really fun so uh, yeah I take your point about characters not knowing but I think you still get a sense of it from where we are and I, I know that when I worked on another show uh, which was called Oddbods which was this dialogue free shows no dialogue mm. that was the that was and I kind of came in on that I was like yeah that was the real problem it was like you have to set up who these characters are within the episode. Yeah. Because there was seven of these characters and remember when you have that many characters, what usually happens is um, you don't have all of them on screen together at the same time. So, you know, this episode is going to be about Jeff and Z or whoever it is. And it's these two. So you've got to go early and set up what that character is, first of all, so you can 
break it because there was one guy who was called Fuse and he was the angry character and everybody in the studio knew he was the angry character so it was always hilarious if he sort of suddenly softened or something like that but if you don't set up that he's angry in, in the first part then nobody knows and I think even within the Danger Mouse episodes we still had to establish that Danger Mouse is the high status guy he's yeah. the hero and, and, and Penfold is low status but you know maybe those things can reverse you know yeah so you mentioned odd bods just now. Yeah. So I think that that's a very interesting thing as well. And as you said, it's a show with no dialogue whatsoever. Yes. So it's all like very much physical comedy and you have to be able to read the scene just by, by looking at it. Yeah. And an interesting experience for you. I believe you moved to Singapore yeah, that's to right. direct that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was an interesting experience. All right. Um, Singapore is an interesting place. Uh, it is... Oh, God, I'm so Irish. It's just too... <laughs> I, I just found it, the humidity kind of killed me. Yeah. I really enjoyed the project. I really enjoyed the people that I was working with. It was... was um, they were great, actually. Um, but and it was the just show too was really hot. good. But yeah, I just I completely <laughs> wussed out. I told them I was leaving and they all blinked at me when I was like, because it's too hot? What the heck? What are you talking about? You idiot. Um, but that was a... It was a tough show. Like, because the, the flip side of that as well is that... You can't go too far down the, the pantomime road because that's what happened. We would act things out and there's sort of nothing worse, as, especially as an animation leader and animation director, when you see somebody like I pointing themselves, will walk, do walkie fingers. Like, you know, they start acting <laughs> out every single word. Trying to act know? out dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And, right. it's, and, and it became this really odd thing because they're a little bit like minions in that they kind of go and they talk. Hmm. So they are communicating to each other, like the t in terms of the world, the characters are, are presumably talking to each other in some sort of language that we don't understand. So, but you need the audience to understand what they're doing. So if they're like, get in my car and they go point to you, point to car, do driver wheels with your hands. It's like, it kind of looks cheesy. You kind of have to let them go, blah, blah, blah. maybe they'll gesture to the car and then they'll get in the car and they'll drive off and you'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. As opposed to trying to sort of pantomime out the whole thing, which was really hard not to do because people obviously wanted to convey what was going on um but that sort of doesn't work either you know? was there a joke that you remember from that show that worked really well in that no dialogue format there were loads of things a lot of it is just little looks and blinks and things and someone would yeah. do something really stupid and then just cut the other one and be like what almost a little <laughs> bit like tim from the office kind of thing you know what i mean um and then what we would always do is is, is they're just, most of them are big escalation gags. So it's like you start off with something big, which is like dominoes, right? It kind of knocks over something else, which knocks over something yeah. else. Or So we just get these into sort of all these preposterous situations. Again, I in true form, I I, I wrote that one as well, where, where someone got sucked into a, a video game. <laughs> I mean, you're seeing a pattern here. <laughs> I'll get it out of my system eventually. Um, and that, that was, again, you know, we were under really strict... Uh, technical guidelines and it really frustrated a lot of the writers and understanding because I ended up writing some of them myself but like I had already been there so I was kind of cheating um but uh we were like hey, well how do we, so we wanted to make this world a bit like Tron or whatever so he, he got sucked into a Pac-Man game um and you know it was it was really hard sell to try and because if you go and you talk to production about that and you say we're going to build this whole new set they'll be like no we don't have any time to build a new world yeah so you've got to kind of talk to people reasonably and kind of say well actually you know what it's a real world but it's just a kind of a big box with a grid on it and walls to make this um maze labyrinth type thing right so it's actually not that complicated mm. and then when you start saying that some suddenly the lighter will go oh and we could light it from underneath and it will look really cool like thing and that's again not an expensive in terms of money or time or yeah. resources thing to do and, you know, it's it's all creative problem solving, really, yeah. at the end of the day, you know. Um, but I think that episode kind of turned out quite well. I enjoyed that episode. And I wrote a kind of a James Bond parody one, which we kind of, we started <laughs> before I, I left. And then I finished and, and one of the other guys, Christian, um, finished it off. And that was really fun as well. So, you know, I think it's all just these stupid gags. And it's kind of cheap to do parodies. But, like, those characters really lent themselves to be being, like, dressed up and doing yeah, something, yeah. you know, fun with them. And things, Adding you know? some comedy there. Yeah. And did you guys find like did you uh, did you reference a lot of other shows or other things that had had no dialogue? Like, did you kind of look at physical comedy, yeah, silent film era stuff? Yeah, I'm kind of a big fan of that kind of stuff generally, anyway. And like, I sort of like I'm like problem 
with me is I'm sort of a walking animation cliche most of the time anyway, right? You, <laughs> like you're going to interview more like Nora and Andrew and everything, who are real artists and Brona, but I, I'm just I'm just a stereotypical animation nerd, unfortunately. So I I like all that kind of stuff because everyone likes it because it's like I love Roadrunner and I love uh, like I, I even did a dissertation recently and I was talking about that silence comedy's impact on animation and stuff and like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, like they were cartoons, so. For example, you know the thing where if I'm really hungry and I'm looking at you and suddenly you turn into like a chicken, you know, or a hamburger <laughs> or something with steam coming off them. That's like Chaplin did that first. Yeah, absolutely. Like like Chuck Jones literally has said, Chuck Jones is a Warner Bros. director, did all the Bugs Bunny shorts and all that kind of stuff. Literally said, I stole that from Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. And you see it and it's great. It's in uh, the Gold Rush or something like that. And one of the guys is really... He's really hungry, set it up, and he turns around, and then the, the guy just turns into, like, a guy, it's Charlie Chaplin in chicken suit or whatever it is. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. that stuff is a direct line. And I remember the studio was in Singapore. The um, A lot of the animation was done in Jakarta, in Indonesia. It was, like, actually relatively close, right? But obviously a lot cheaper place to get stuff done than, than, than Singapore, which is essentially a sort of first world, quite expensive, very expensive city. Um and we would do, we would try and act, act things out together. And it's the same thing, actually, you talk with a lot of animators, especially starting off animators. It's like, well, if two characters come in and do whatever, sit down even, you want those two characters to be doing that differently. You know, you want this character to sit down in the way that whoever, Danger Mouse sits down. You want Penfold mm. to sit down in the way the Penfold sits down. You don't want them just to sit down and... Because you can, a little bit like with... Uh, whatever a word document you can't copy and paste right so you can you can especially now especially in cg and in 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 2d now with with other software you can sort of take the animation off one character and copy it off just the animation the movement mm. put it on another one which is a great time saving device but it 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 doesn't you know everything starts looking the same and then if you if you take that to its sort of natural conclusion it's like everyone walks the same yeah and the problem is that you want the same character walk differently depending on if they're happy or sad or angry or they've just smacked their toe off something you, you know what i mean yeah. so you kind of like that's variation and that's the kind of thing we needed in odd bods because we didn't have dialogue to fall back on to explain the character i mean good dialogue doesn't do that anyway but you know what i mean or does but um i remember doing yeah classes with the guys in in in, in jakarta and it's like okay how would z get up and how would he sit down here and how would fuse get up and they they really enjoyed it and i think it kind of helped and that's the kind of stuff but you know we tried. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's one of the interesting things about animation, isn't it? That in the sense that everything is fully created from scratch, Yeah. every part of the character and the acting has to be created from scratch as well. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is like, we can't let body language just slide Yeah. for the sake of saving animation. Well, you can't let anything slide. That's the problem. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the amazing thing. Yeah. But it's the problem. Um, you know, because everything's creative. I mean, like, so you say, right, okay, animation is live action filmmaking in slow motion because you're making this thing one 24th or 25th of a second at a time. But the other side to that is that everything's created. You start with nothing. Mm. You know this. You start with an empty page or an empty whatever scene on a, on a computer or something. Or, but I mean, it's usually page, right? Um, so nothing's there by accident. Yeah. Everything is there because it's designed. And... The, the thing about being a, a director really in, in animation, which I guess is kind of the same as live action. I haven't really done any live action, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> the thing that you have to do in animation is that everyone is quite specialized. And I'm a props designer, so I'm into, into designing props, which of course is the same in animation. But I want my, my prop to be the coolest thing. Or I'm an animator. I'm do, I've got one shot. You know, in this episode, I'm going to animate whatever it is, 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 seconds. I want my 15 seconds to be the coolest ever. And of course, that's not in the interest of the big story. So so your job is to keep an eye on everything and either rein people in if they're going too crazy. It's like, mm. this is a cool shot, but I don't know what's going on. Or <laughs> we've just been really slow from here, you know, because everything's so piecemeal. It's so minute. It's so every 25th of a second da, 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 that it's, you just get tunnel vision. Yeah. Especially like, I was an animator for years completely guilty of doing that you know you just go down the rabbit hole and you focus on your thing and trying to make it the best or the coolest or whatever and it know? just takes so long as well yeah that that's a thing is like you say oh it's going to take me x amount of time to do this you know it's it's such a, a long amount of time for such a short 
end product <laughs> yep. that you really wanted to shine. Yeah. So what would you say? I'm. Uh, this is kind of a bit more for the for the non animator listeners. Mm-hmm. What would you say is a normal amount of animation for a person to get done in a day on a TV show? Oh Lord, it's a bit <laughs> like a bit of a piece of string. How long is a piece of string, isn't it? <laughs> like, um, I mean, maximum. There's there's like a there's a there's an amount that would be unreasonable to ask someone to do, right? Absolutely. Well, yeah, should be able to do it, right? Or, or you know, could be do it, but it'd be somebody blinking for twenty minutes or something. Yeah. You know? When you say, whenever you say what the number is, though, I think that non-animation listeners are going to be shocked. So, I've worked on shows where, uh, you know, which really push people, which was people doing a minute a week. So, um, you know, I guess that's twenty seconds a day, isn't it? Yeah. So that's no, it's not twenty seconds a day. It's twelve seconds. A day. Oh yeah. yeah. So <laughs> sixty seconds in a minute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's twelve seconds of. And animation. that's kind of maximum. You wouldn't really ask anyone to do any more than that, really. And really yeah. You know, like so, like I reckon at the moment shows that we work on, it's between it's like twenty, maybe twenty seconds a week. So five seconds a day. Yeah. Um, I if, believe I've heard that number used um, at, at Pixar as well. So like Pixar level of animation, they're not doing more than than five seconds a day. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I'd be, I'd I'd say more like five seconds a week is probably what they're. At, I would have thought. I don't yeah, know. you can ask Nora. She'll so ag- so again, people, that is five seconds of animation that might be done in an entire week. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. So it goes by pretty quick on <laughs> on screen, right? Yeah. Yeah, you could you could literally miss it if you blink. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> yeah, a nice long blink. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, a sort of sneeze level kind of blink. <laughs> So when you are, uh, f- for you then, mm. actually, so an interesting fun fact for people listening, you can't, you can't see us, but there's a, there's a pillow in this office at the Screen Directors Guild, uh, which says director on it, and then it has a definition of what a director is. And we were kind of saying before we started that it's a bit of a live action uh, kind of definition, because, you know, they're saying a person who supervisors actors camera crew and other staff for a movie play or television program i mean i guess that you could say that that is definitely all applicable to an animation director yeah sure but what would you say like for you in your day-to-day what does your day-to-day look like as an animation director so yeah i mean there's a lot of differences right it's like you're not on set you go to an office building which admittedly has pictures of cartoons on 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 it but it is still it's got tables and chairs and computers and people come in at nine and they leave at five or whatever. Um, uh, so, like, but it is different depending on what area of the, uh, what period of production you're in. Hmm. So you start off in pre-production and that's kind of a really fun time and you're getting ideas for scripts and you're getting ideas for characters. And again, as we said, you start with nothing. So you're trying to figure out what these characters look like um, and what this world looks like and and and, and trying to, I don't know. I think the whole job is trying to find the best idea. I'm probably even more so, well, maybe that's not true, but very much so in animation because everything's created. You sort of miss that thing of like happy accidents. So you have to try mm-hmm. and manufacture a system where you can get happy accidents. Um, and uh, generally for me, what I try and do is just let people do what they want to do, which sounds like a bad way to direct. <laughs> but I sort of know what my ideas are. And, I mean, this is all sort of slightly time-dependent, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you have time, I'm interested in what your ideas are, what the storyboard ideas are, what the animator's ideas are, because their idea could be better than mine, in which case let's use that, you know, because what's the point in just, you know... I, I sort of get a bit... I even said it the other night when I think I'm not really into the auteur. This isn't the question you asked me, but I'm talking about it. No, no, and it's all, it's all interesting <laughs> and relevant. Go on, Aiden. <laughs> I'm not really into the auteur theory... I don't know. I can't get my head around it because I guess... And as someone who's made films on their own, right? So animation is incredibly collaborative. But at the same time, you can literally make a film on your own. And I've done that a couple of times. I got music from someone else or I've just taken a bit of music and, and used yeah. it. It's hard though. Yeah, it's hard, but it's not... Even still, it's not. you're not really on your own. But anyway, even still, I don't think that's sort of the auteur thing. Um, uh, what you were trying to do is find the best ideas. So... Like if I'm often one of the things we so you kind of brief a storyboard artist or a character designer or something, and uh, I know some directors will go through the script 
and they'll write what's called a scribble script. Oh, I kind of do this as well. Uh, and uh, so everyone does that and you write notes. You're, but but the kind of things that I try to write are, this is really important. Let's try and build a thing here. If there's a technical thing, it's like, which was something on odd bods is like, you know what? They're standing beside the water, but they can't fall in the water because we can't do water very well or something <laughs> like that. So one layer of it, especially in TV, is like you just um, give me the technical limitations, you know, when you're dealing with scripts and storyboards. And I get a bit frustrated, but actually frustration is not the worst thing in the world. It can drive into action like it, it happens every show. Right. So mm. the writers come in and I get and I, like I'm speaking as someone who considers himself a tiny bit of a writer. Or maybe I'm a frustrated writer, which is probably worse. You've written scripts. <laughs> I, I would written say you are also a writer, yes. <laughs> but so they come in and, and um, you know, the first few scripts are, I will give them ideas about the characters and I'll give them ideas of better jokes and, and, and different things or whatever. But what I think are better jokes. And, and, and like, this isn't really working in the structure and it's like, I can't visualize this. This isn't going to work visually and all that kind of stuff. And the first... It's the same every time. First six or seven, they're like, okay, cartoon boy, you you run along now. We know about story, you don't. <laughs> and eventually, and those are the hardest scripts. The first episode of any series is always takes like three, four, five, however many times longer to do than the rest of them. Mm. Right? And it's a real, you know, and, and there are people have different strategies. I know of some directors who scrapped the first episode on purpose. Because oh, on like, purpose. This is never gonna. They'll do it, and um, maybe, or maybe it's not on purpose, but it always seems to have one on every right. show, right? So, because I guess if you're, if you approach it with that idea that you're gonna scrap it, you won't care. But you try and make it, and then they're like, "Oh no, this is this isn't right. This character isn't this character. This background's a bit." So they scrap it, which I think is a pretty mean thing to do on the crew who kind of. Yeah, it sounds like an, it. an expensive experiment. But in a, it, like, <laughs> but in some ways, it makes sense, right? In that it's not right, and it's not, and it's just kind of it's like a trial run. Or something like that. And maybe you come back to that later on and you fix it and put that episode somewhere else. Um, but starting off, you're trying to find the character. And the other problem with first episodes is it's always the one that gets everyone sees first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, almost by definition. So the other trick is to put the first episode actually as episode six or something like that. Mm. And hit your premiere, for want of a better term, the one that airs first or the one that is uh, in the in the TX and the transmission order is, the, is no, episode number one. Yeah. Um, is sort of actually episode number six where you found your feet a little bit. So there's a certain amount of just getting into the flow yeah, and of any show. Yeah, and it takes longer and all that kind of stuff. So once you start um, doing it, then gradually it's it's a process. But, you know, by episode six, normally they're actually hopefully taking on my notes and they realize. <laughs> and in those episode ones, then you've got to play about with storyboards. So like, and uh, I mean, this is a sort of an animation cliche again, but if you're shooting live action... Yeah, you shoot coverage, right? So you know you shoot, you you come, you basically generate an awful lot of footage, you know, wide shot, close up, close up, reaction, whatever it is, mid shots, all this kind of stuff. So you have, I don't, I have really no idea, 10, 20, 30, 100 hours of footage, and you edit this to your ten minutes. Absolutely, it's more than it's more than they need anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas animation, you can't do that, right? Because you can't animate 100 hours because we just talked about it, right? Five seconds a week, <laughs> you know, you'd actually never get it done. Um, so you do storyboarding, which again, uh, like it looks like you're visualizing the film. So it looks like a comic strip. People get a bit annoyed when you say look comic strip because it's not a comic strip. It relates to itself differently, but to all intents and purposes, it kind of is. It looks like it, you're, you're drawing what's on the screen. So you're taking from this. And I mean, storyboarders are recruited from, you know, independent comics yeah, circles. So yeah. yeah, so it is like yeah, a comic strip. It's a strip. bit like a comic strip. It's not totally, <laughs> but it is a bit. Deal with it, guys. Um, but that was, and especially this was on Oddbods, much to the chagrin of some of the writers, was that you can sort of change quite a lot in in, in storyboards. Um, so that's another process that, that gets, so it's another rewrite, essentially. So it's the edit. So in terms of live action, you're doing the edit beforehand. That's the point. So your your coverage is your storyboards. So this is this thing about having to try out everyone's ideas, first of all, Um like so if i'm writing the notes which is one of the things i'm do on my daily task which was your original question um <laughs> <laughs> i kind of won't do shots unless i have something really really specific i'd be like super cool if we do this kind of shot down shot or whatever um uh, but i want the storyboard artists to have freedom to do what they want to do uh, i want to hear their ideas because hmm. it might be better than my ideas in which case let's do that um um and uh you know so what you're trying to do is piece together the story, tell it in the best way visually, get in all as many ideas as you can. And then in terms of the scripts, then you can sort of change stuff around and move stuff around and that kind of thing as well. 
cut some dialogue, put it back in, all that kind of stuff. Um, then, you know, you at any so at any day, at any point, you could be doing all these things. You could be briefing a storyboard artist. You could be getting a storyboard in. So then, and it's not the most efficient way of doing things is let somebody do what they want and then fix it. Like, in terms of time, it's much mm. more efficient to go, I want this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot. And, you know, you, you fill in the blanks and I don't know. I mean, that's a little bit like you're just getting somebody else to do it because you can't do it all. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's not a collaboration. And maybe that is more that sort of um, auteur slash dictatorial way sure, of doing things, yeah. which I'm, again, I'm not a fan of because I don't think I have the best ideas all the time or many most of the time. <laughs> I, I can also imagine anyway that it's not good for morale if people never feel like their mm. ideas get heard. Yeah, that's that's a nice compliment. I like it when somebody says to me that they've always feel like they've listened, been listened mm. to. I don't, the, the, but the deal is I don't have to take your ideas. Right? Well, absolutely, yeah. You, know, you get to say no. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And I try and like not have an ego about it. Like, um, what is it? So there's a great live action director called Alexander McKendrick or Cindy McKendrick who, uh, he directed lots of the old black and white Ealing comedies. Like oh, yeah. The Lady Killers and Man in the White Suit and all that kind of stuff. He went great to the film. States and he directed a film called uh, Sweet Smell of Success, which was really good. So it was like, whatever, mid-50s, I guess. And then he's, he kind of retired and, and started teaching in, in CalArts, California Institute of Arts, to a lot of kind of amazing filmmakers. And in terms of animation, a lot of kind of the Pixar guys and uh, like like um, Pete Doctor and Andrew Stanton and people like that. Um, and he he's kind of um, like really, I really like his approach to stuff. And his quote is something like, I'm sort of badly paraphrasing, but it's like... Um, you can get an awful lot done if you don't care who gets credit for it. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> if you want to be the genius who came up with all this kind of stuff, uh, I don't know. Whereas the best things are, and he kind of tells a story about, oh man, I've forgotten the actor's name, but, uh, you know, or it's, it's one of his pupils tells a story of, like, how he said, look, I I didn't do anything. I just, I, I said, I was going to cut, but the actor said, no, 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 let's do one more take. I think we can get it better. And I was like, that was amazing. And then he... Uh, so that was, the, you know, the director said that. And then that same guy was watching an interview with the actor and the actor was like, oh man, I was I was really tired. I couldn't do another take, but Alexander McKenna-Sandy told me, can we just do one more take? I know you're going to get it perfect next time. So they didn't even remember who actually pushed the bar forward. The point was that it was. And, yeah. you know, you're trying to create that kind of atmosphere and that's that's the ideal because that's better than some of, the, of its parts. You yeah, know? yeah. That's what you're kind of after. You know? Yeah, that there's a generosity there. And maybe, do you think that with animation, because it takes so long, that maybe that's more important? Because with live action, you know, like you could be a totally, you know, bullish director, but it's going to be over in three months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because there's always that sort of burner thing. I mean, I think I'd be a terrible live action director because I'm not that. Like, <laughs> you stand there and do that. Because um, I'm a bit more this sort of willy collaborative thing. But the, the downside is that. You can get nothing done, right? And that is, and you see it, you know, something like Richard Williams, who's a very famous animator who's you know, got an Oscar for Roger Rabbit and is sort of considered like the animator in a lot of ways. He wrote the book. He literally wrote the book. It's true, <laughs> the animator survival kit. Um, has his pet project, which is called The Thief and the Cobbler. And he never finished it because he just wanted it to be perfect. And in the end, after 25 years, it got taken away from them by the kind of studio. And they finished it and everyone's like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, they put songs in. But after 25 years, man, you know. That's a long time. <laughs> and it is, it's sort of amazing. It's just this amazing thing. And it's incredible. Um, but, you know, I don't know, it's potentially, and who am I to criticize Richard Williams? But that's, you know, getting lost in the details a little bit and that kind of stuff. And again, as kind of as we talked about, it's so easy to do that in animation because you just... You have ultimate control and you can kind of do anything. Absolutely. You know? um, I mean, all this is kind of theoretical because, you know, it's all time dependent. <laughs> that's the other time thing. Time and budget. You know, yeah. that's it. It's like, that's, you know, what I always say is like, you fi you're finding the best ideas <clears throat> in the time and schedule available, you yeah. know, <laughs> which is kind of the fine print, but but obviously is as important, you know. I, d I don't, like, I remember somebody saying that to me once. It's like, th there's always this natural tension and I feel like it's maybe more so in animation, but again, I don't know, uh, between, you know, production on one side and sort of the creative 
inverted commas, I'm doing inverted commas here, um, quotation marks, uh, creative side of, uh, on the other. Because I think both are actually quite creative, but the sort of artistic people who are drawing and, and actually producing the, mm. the, the work. And there's there's always a, like sort of an in, in, inherent tension there. And what you want probably is 50-50. That's what um, this person was saying. And I completely agree. I think if it goes too far down one road, the thing never gets done. As If it gets too creative, again, for want of a better term, then you know it never gets finished or it goes mm. completely over budget and, and, and obviously and then it just yeah it doesn't get done or whatever Absolutely. but if it goes too much the other way then you get this kind of bland very watered down kind of show as well so a lot of the directing thing is to, to try and walk that line a little bit and obviously as a director you should be on the quote-unquote creative side but you've still got to have a little sense of you know kevin smith who was again i don't know Someone slightly odd to be quoting potentially, but says you <laughs> needed this. What is it? A reasonable amount of unreasonability. I think Reasonab- that's it. Yeah, you know what I mean. That makes sense. So it's like, uh, okay, can I push this? Can we push this a bit more? Can we get away with it? Can we like because this just isn't good enough? And and again, it's that sort of thing where I kind of said um, frustration can sometimes be a good thing. If I see a a board that I don't like or a piece of animation, or I start getting frustrated. I'm like, this can be this can be better. We need to make this better. That's where. I try and keep my frustrations creative rather than getting frustrated at people. Absolutely. You know, I think it's more helpful to get frustrated by the work. And because and, that's, to me anyway, and I think it's something that you have to learn very quickly in the industry if you're going to be any good, is that this kind of criticism is not personal. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like this piece of animation doesn't work. It doesn't mean that you're a horrible human being. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're a, a talentless artist. It doesn't mean that you can't animate. It means that this scene doesn't work. This little particular bit is not doing what I need it to do for the story. So, I, like, and it might even be, this has happened before, it might be an amazing piece of animation that someone spent ages on. And it's like, they're, someone's like, done this beautiful, you know, someone's, this character's really happy and they're jumping cartwheels and it's all beautifully animated and everything's fine. It's like, okay, but they're supposed to be sad in this scene, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's heartbreaking. It's too beautiful. <laughs> you know, well, it's it's wrong for this. Like, we need this. This is a sad moment. Mm. Why is he jumping up and down? You know? Absolutely, it's yeah. not. It doesn't work for the big picture and that's that sort of myopathy. That's not the right word. That sort of tunnel vision that the, the people have seen where they've just got so into it that they've just gone with it. And it's like, but it's, uh, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know? And as I say, that's kind of... Um, the job you know you're yeah you're keeping an eye on the bigger picture yeah trying to and it's something that happens all the time in animation because people don't really start as directors mm. often people go go from from directing from they get to directing to storyboarding which i did a bit of and that sort of makes sense in a weird way because mm. you're still keeping a big idea but you can still get caught up on, on shots and i guess live action directors have that too but um some come from animation and you can really see it because people start fixating on the animation or their one area of expertise that they came from and I, like god i'm guilty as anyone else about this <laughs> but you have to realize that that's not the job anymore you know yeah it's, it's not about be- the end product exactly because you can you can go in and go well that blink is two frames too fast it's one twenty-fifth of a second too fast it's like what are you, why are you changing that as the director <laughs> you know and because, because, like, at the end of the, who's really going to notice that? You know, it's whatever the narcissism, small differences or something. And things have to be right and they have to work and that kind of stuff. Um, but, like, uh, who cares if all the blinks are the right time, but the story's terrible? You know, like, what do you yeah. want? <laughs> you yeah, know? absolutely. And there's even that, there's this really, and I, not that I'm a fan necessarily, but there's a really, really, I don't know if you've seen a good speech by a guy called Ralph Bakshi who was working in the 70s and 80s and he did. He did, I guess his most famous thing is the is animated Lord of the Rings um, thing, which people slag off, but actually, I don't know, it's not the worst. Um, and he did Fritz the Cat, and he did sort of mm-hmm. these sort of adult animation things. And he, he there's a, there's, there's a, on YouTube, there's an interview with him from Comic-Con about 10 years ago, where he just could start slagging off Disney and all the big studios. And he's like, people come to me and they're like, uh, oh, the industry's broken. He's like, no, you're broken. It's like, <laughs> when I was doing things, you know, Disney were like, you have to do everything a million times. You've got to test everything. You've got to do your animation over and over again. Um, it's got to have the best background. It's got to be beautiful. It's got to be amazing. And, you know, 
or it'll never stand up on screen. He's like, well, if you look at some early Disney shorts, like they're just so boring and they're so dull and, you know, like, oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Trees are laughing and everyone's singing and it's, you know, I was like, what do you do? And he's like, all I did was I just tried to make the stories better. And he went out on the street and he interviewed sort of people in Harlem and stuff like that who hadn't really had a voice in film and that kind of stuff. And, you know, whatever the end results are, whatever they are. But the point sort of stays, you know, and, and that you've got to sort of, get all the big stuff right first it's sort of uh, i know in college we talked about sort of general to particular right so you start off with the bit with the big brush strokes so you're making a painting you're doing a drawing sculpture or something you kind of do it out roughly first of all and you get more and more and more and more, and more refined mm. as you go along if you start maybe some people do it, but if you start just drawing a really detailed nose or carving out the toes or something or whatever i'm sure this applies to other things that aren't so hard to replace <laughs> then what are you doing and i suppose I feel like in in live action, it's maybe easier to focus on that big picture. Or maybe you just get, which I can't even imagine, get, you know, it's like, oh, no, it's raining today. And it's supposed to be sunny. Or, you know, big sort of force majeure yeah, things get yeah. in the way. <laughs> and probably, and I could understand why that'd be distracting. The opposite is true in animation. The tiny things are distracting because yeah. you absolutely can fix them. And you have to do that. And I think I've, as you do, you direct this more. I've got less and less. I've sort of got away from that to the point where even things like, I don't know, very unpopular opinion, but even someone like, Stanley Kubrick films and everything which are so perfect and all that kind of stuff it's like I don't really I don't really do it for me as much as like Rocky or something where you're just yeah. like oh is you know you feel it yeah that you get caught up you in know, the emotion I don't that's that's really what it's all about at the end of the day I kind mm. of don't I can't if I feel like a film is cold I sort of I can admire it but even Christopher Nolan movies like uh, he's amazing and he's great and I say it's a very controversial opinion but I, they're cold films, yeah. right? They're, they're, I, I I'm kind of with you. I'm totally with you on that. You know, Sorry, guys. We're going to hate on Christopher Nolan for a minute. Well, <laughs> I don't know about hate. I have a lot of respect for the man and they're amazing films and like I, I really quite like them. But they're, you know, you. it's all, a, for me, it's about the feeling. And that's what I remember when I see a movie yeah. or a show or something. I remember how I felt about it. I agree, it, yeah. You know? I'm all, yeah, I'm more, I'm more of a sort of give me the heart of the story rather than something that's more perfect or... A little bit more intellectualized, even. Yeah, and even that doesn't have to be, like... Because, yeah, exactly what you say intellectualized. It can be kind of looked down upon. But even something like Whiplash or something, it's like that film's got so much guts and you mm. can feel the guy playing and you can, you know... It's not a dumb movie, yeah. necessarily, or it's not, you know, kid now, stuff or whatever. But. here's a, an interesting kind of thought, I guess, as well. Because I think that this is maybe more important uh, in animation as well because a lot of what we're doing is uh, children's media. And I think that maybe kids younger kids especially have a need for something that they can latch on to more in terms of emotion. Yeah. The other thing is that these things are drawings, right? Mm -hmm. Or or they're CG models or they're claymation or they're paint on glass or sand or something. So there's a barrier there. You're not looking at a human, so it's harder to empathize, I think. Um, and people will disagree. But um, So I think you have to try harder to do that. Because the medium in itself is like, there's a great, um, it's a, it's a, like a, great. It's, no, it's really good. It's an Ikea commercial. It's 30 seconds long. Uh, it's Michelle Gondry directed it. And it's talking about this lamp. And, and the joke is like, you know, you buy a new lamp. So the guy puts the old lamp outside of his sort of New York apartment and it rains on the lamp. And it's like, it's sunny oh, yeah. and people kind of walk by and the wind goes by and it kind of drops it. Does it even move? I don't think it moves. <laughs> I think it does not, it's not, it's not even... Um, you know, Luxo Junior. It's not even like that Pixar short about mm. moving lamps and stuff. It's literally the thing never moves, and it's, and it's there's music and there's wind and there's sad, and the guy is like in his little warm window in his apartment with his new lamp. Um, <laughs> and the kind of the kind of joke at the end is like someone comes on with a kind of uh, the um, you know Nordic accent and says, "What? Why are you feeling so bad for the lamp? This is clearly a better lamp." You, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the joke. So it's this amazing thing that is thirty seconds long, which is great, but it's that it's that it's making people feel sorry for a lamp, you know. Are an inanimate object they can't move yeah and yeah i mean the point about kids is I, I tend to it's a fine line isn't it between you so, so you don't want to write down to kids and i couldn't agree more with that however that is sometimes used as i want to put my clever adult idea into this hmm. kids tv and god knows i've been guilty of it for a long time and i'm trying to get better at it which is where, why don't we make this scene like the boulder scene in Indiana Jones? You know, like, and at first you think, I'm a genius, that's a great idea. 
And then you work on the next show and you do the same thing. And then you talk to other directors and they tell you about how they put this brilliant reference to Indiana Jones in their thing. And suddenly you're like, oh, hang on a minute, lads. You know, if, you know, potentially the amount of Star Wars references in preschool TV. Yeah, <laughs> my like, God. You know, and I think that's good if you're doing something interesting with it. Um, if you're kind of doing it for the sake, like that's going back to the, um, that kind of dissertation that I was writing where they said, um, the guys, some of the early Warner Brothers guys and stuff would literally go to Charlie Chaplin movies and with a pen and the mm. flashlight and write down all the ideas. So they'd all do, and I think this never really works no matter what, you, when you do it, which is the thing where, that Buster Keaton thing where the house falls on his, you know, so you have oh, this yeah. front of the house collapses and you think, oh my God, he's going to get crushed by the front of the house. And he just so happens he's standing in, um, the thing falls flat. And then he's standing in the point where an open window is yep. when it collapses. An incredibly dangerous stunt. Yeah, and he bloody, they bloody did them and everything, right? And people do that in animation. And it doesn't work for lots of reasons. So the, the example that they used um, was one director. It wasn't Joe Jones. I can't remember the guy's name. But he basically did it and he had loads of people and it fell and each of them was standing in the thing. Boom, 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 boom. And that's... It's not even really funny. You know, it's it's a reference. Yeah. But what are you doing? It's the same thing and it doesn't make it any funnier. And the problem with that specific example, not to go off on another tangent, but hey, I think that's all we've done so far. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, is that with that live action stuff is that um, someone described it. I think it was like Mark Cousins or something. It's like the sublime, which is what you think. Holy God, they could die. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whereas you don't get that animation because they can't die because they're cartoons, right? Yeah. So you're... all that kind of, I'm not a big fan of anything that's like if you saw a real person do it, it's like, oh, this is this is an interesting physical feat. Someone riding a unicycle or someone doing acrobatics in um like there's this like I, I love the illusionist, which is this Sylvain Chaumet movie. There's a whole sequence of acrobatics in it. You're like, well, it's quite nicely animated. But this would be more interesting and impressive if this was real. I want to see that live action. I don't Absolutely. want to see that animated. Yeah. Right? Do you know what I mean? And if you're going to do that animated, then it has to be crazy. It has to be insane. It has to be like you know, like One Punch Man or something. Yeah. Like, I love that show. That's something like you've never seen before. Yeah, exactly. It has to go, you just need to push it so far beyond thing to make, and this is not generally, this is just stuff for mm. like, like that. Or you have to be so invested in those characters that you kind mm. of believe they're real and you feel sorry for them, which of yeah. course, Pixar and Disney and everybody can do. Yeah. And if you get to that point, then fair enough. And you, you, there's an argument to be said, oh, well, whatever. You know, Mr. Incredible's falling out of a, an airplane. He might die. He's only pixels. He won't. But, you know, if you get to a point... But that's an emotion thing again, yeah. right? And I don't think you can do that through intellectualizing yeah. the idea, you know? The other thing, too, that you were saying about about parody, and, you know, of course, like, with all of the film and animation nerds within the industry, like, oh, so many Star Wars, so many Indiana Jones references in preschool television. And I guess the thing about that that's kind of funny and interesting is that of course those kids have most likely never seen any <laughs> yeah. of those films so that's the rule that's what i agree that's what would be my like and it sounds like uh i'm complaining about this but i'm not I'm, like i have so done it right so <laughs> it's just that as i get on i realize i'm not as clever as i thought i was and everybody's bloody doing it so that's the difference i'm not i'm not saying don't do it. i'm not saying you can't do it but uh, for me the rule is if it's funny without knowing the reference then it's okay yeah. or if it works without knowing the reference then okay how about it but the house falling down on on somebody that's not funny, really. Mm. The the shock of seeing Buster Keaton do that is like, oh my god, he could have yeah. got killed. That's and amazing, yeah. And like, oh, and and there's a that laugh is, I suppose, in in a lot of ways, all laughter is laughter of release of tension. But that is a, that if you do laugh at that, it's because of the release of tension because mm. he survived, and it's because it's so um, surprising that he survived. Like you know, whatever. There's ten cartoon dogs doing that. I don't know. I don't know if you get yeah. that same laugh or something. Whereas if you are doing something again, you know. So you talk about like Star Wars references. We had uh, uh, one of the episodes of Danger Mouse where, um, which is a very kind of Danger Mouse t thing, is that the, um, uh, the Greenback, who was, who was the kind of main villain, Baron von Greenback, had, was stealing all the tea in the world. And he had a big tea-shaped, teapot-shaped um, uh, sort of spaceship that he was sucking up all the tea with and stuff. Anyway, so... Um, we did, so there was a, a big dogfight, like a battle, a space, a sky battle between this and, and Danger Mouse in the Danger Car. Um, and we saw so it was like the TIE fighters from Star Wars. But it was with, like, he was firing tea bags at them, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and they were tor torpedoes, tortibos, <laughs> tpedos, whatever you want to say. Um, 
so like at least you're doing something slightly interesting with it and and that was a I've listened to a lot of things about you know where ideas come from and things like that mm. and recently and it's come up and it's like I mean I'm an idiot at the best of times but this sort of has come up lots of times really hit at home in various bits and pieces and they're saying that ideas often come often come from confluence and two things that you don't necessarily expect together being put together like Neil Gaiman you know the writer gives a nice example of like um, you know everybody knows that uh, if the full moon comes out that you you know someone can turn into a werewolf and if you get bitten by a werewolf, you become a werewolf. So what if a werewolf bites another wolf? What do they become? Very good question. <laughs> you know, or <laughs> what if um, what if a werewolf is like gnawing on you know the leg of a chair or something? And then and he's like, okay, well then maybe have a scene where the moon <laughs> is changing and the detective is trying to work out who killed him, and they've had like there's been these weird sort of odd sort of chair marks beside the dead body and then he's sitting back drinking tea and he's the the the, the sort of arm of his chair is suddenly becoming hairier you know <laughs> and he's like being attacked by a chair wolf you know so it's like it's taking a chair and a werewolf and putting those things together in i do that you don't love that understand it's good chair it? wolf yeah yeah I mean, it's kind of a 20 whatever but well, so so that's so if you're creating something interesting and new mm. or it's slightly fresh even you know yeah then i think it's okay and if the reference works without prior knowledge then I think fair game. How about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. If it's not funny and it's not something necessarily different, yeah. then I don't know. Maybe think about what you're doing. Well, and, and you know, like also, like, like again, is it working for your primary core audience, which is mm. the kids? Like, for example, you know, you mentioned the, the Frozen parody episode yeah. of Danger Mouse. Yeah. Literally every kid that is now alive has seen that film. <laughs> yeah, that's true, isn't it? But yeah, there's no kid out there that somehow missed Frozen as a phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, and that, that would work if you hadn't. You know, yeah, yeah. and it's it's just generally, you know, yeah, I think that show would definitely yeah. work if you, even if you hadn't seen it. And you, you, if you appreciate it a little bit more, fair enough, then I think that's okay. So I have a question. Okay. So, Aiden. Hello. Uh, you have recently uh, gone back to uh, college okay. for animation. Yes. yes. So... Um, we live in a very interesting time and a lot of people have been kind of questioning like, oh, is it is it necessary to go to film school or is it necessary to like have this specific education in order to become a creative or to get into the animation industry? Mm -hmm. You're in a very unique position to uh, to comment on that. In a weird position. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think I have much. I don't know. I don't think I have anything interesting to say most of the time. So, but, <laughs> like the thing about it is, is college is fun to go it's a time where you can work on your own project oftentimes you go into the industry you know uh, you don't get to do your own stuff I was certainly not professionally as a day job mm. like a lot of people do after after hours and stuff like that and I'm sort of lucky that I've been able to do that once or twice I mean luckily hopefully you find a show that you like in something like Danger Mouse or whatever um uh, and if you, you know, you can make your own shorts and that kind of stuff, the chances of you actually making your own show or movie or something are so small. So college is that time to do that thing, which is mm. amazing. Um, If you're asking me if when people apply to a studio or something, do people look at their qualifications? Absolutely not. The, the thing that you look at is people's see is showreel or right. portfolio. You need to see their actual work. Yes. And then maybe there's the qualifications somewhere along the line, maybe. Mm. And maybe if they're not, they're not. And uh, um, and it does, the, the job is the job. And it's like, the whole thing is a craft. I... For what I mean, again, you're going to interview people who are like genuine artists, like Noah or something. I don't feel like I'm like that. I feel like I think of this as a craft, and a craft is something that you do over and over again, and you hopefully get better as you're doing it. That's a craft, mm. which is the way I feel about something. Which is that I just want to get, I want the funny parts to be as funny as they can be. I want the sad parts to be as sad as they can be. I want to affect the uh, the viewer as much as I can affect them, and I get very frustrated. If I see a joke, a visual or otherwise, and it's not landing mm. and I can't make it where it needs to be, I can't make it funnier and it's still not landing. And that, that's kind of what bugs, the kind of things that bug me. Um, obviously, you're trying to communicate something, but I work an awful lot with other people's stuff. And when I do write things myself, it's a lot of this kind of stupid stuff. I don't necessarily know that I have a big message <laughs> I need to give to the world. But um, I don't know. I kind of want people laugh or maybe, you know, think or do something stupid or something like that. But, you know that's kind of where I want to be so um, I think that craft element of it is important and what I always say to students is the way to if you really want to get a job is just be really good <laughs> you know 
whether you get your whatever it is, the degree or whatever it is, again, is is uh, it's nice and it's great and all that kind mm. of stuff. And it's important to finish things, you know, um, but that's especially true of personal projects, you know, yeah. of films and things like that, you know. Um, so I think the, 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 the important thing is practice, 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 yeah. be really good. Um, and, you know, you, you, like qualifications are kind of secondary tertiary whatever <laughs> what was it that made you want to to go back oh yeah you're not the only one you're not the first person to ask i know that. and i believe i have actually asked you this question you before but have. tell our well, tell I don't, our well the answer is i'm not even sure i know <laughs> <laughs> um when i went to college uh whatever 15 whatever years ago there wasn't a degree so i just kind of wanted one um more so than anything else i wanted to do a short another short and i was kind of too lazy to do it so um and a lot of people, especially my wife, is like, you're not lazy at all. But like, <laughs> yeah, I would say not. <laughs> if you don't set, if you don't put yourself in situations where you have to work, then I'm not, I'm lazy in that sense. I'm not going to work. Like, so, like, I remember I had an English teacher once and he was talking about, um, I think it was Peter Beardsley, right? He was a footballer. And he's saying that actually, if you look at Peter Beardsley's skill level objectively, on a scale of one to 10, he's probably a four or a three, right? Ooh. And he's not. He's not Ronaldo, he's not Messi, he's not someone who could just who's just born to do this. He has a little bit of skill. But as a player, he's indispensable. As a player, he's a 10. Mm. And the way he makes a 4 a 10 is through work. He chases the ball all the time. He's always there. He's in the right place when you need him. He goes for it and he puts the work in and he does it that way. That's kind of the way I sort of feel about myself in that I don't, I'm not, I was never, even at school, I was never the best at drawing or whatever like that. And I feel like the only way I can bridge the gap in the sort of lack of sort of innate talent is through work and to try and work up to it instead but wouldn't you say that even for people who maybe you look at their work you look at their drawings and you go oh my god that person is just incredibly talented yeah isn't hard work also important for those people oh definitely oh yeah no doubt about it and it's the whatever it's that quote you know you know one percent inspiration 99 percent perspiration that's what genius is and that's whatever Einstein or whoever said it um, and that's that's 100% true and you see it all the time you think oh my god that person is amazing but they just can't get it together enough to finish anything or mm. to you know mm. do a job properly or you know it happens all the time you get people in the studio who are these sort of genius people but they don't work out in that situation where it's everything so structured and they're not working on their own thing and that kind of stuff as well so oh yeah no work is always important but i sort of i don't know sometimes when you have the when you're <laughs> you're not supremely gifted it's sort of almost even more important because cause, well, <laughs> and that's the nice thing is that i remember listening to something else about that where they're saying actually people go talent 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 you're born with the talent you have so why on earth are you worrying about or trying to work towards having talent because you don't control over it the only thing you have control over is how much you work Mm. and how much you try and how much you you know how much you put into these things so think about that you know forget about the talent it's it's done you know what i mean and that's all i ever try and do is try and get better at whatever it is i'm trying to do you know have I answered any of the questions you asked me during this? Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> I feel like totally. We just always take this weird left turn as soon as you ask me something. It's good, though. Um, it's been interesting. I don't know why I did the degree. Well, the reason as well is I was afraid I would come up against some sort of bureaucratic wall, like either going traveling to the States or somewhere else. Oh, sure. Or if I want to go into teaching or something, which I quite like, um, that there'd be this box that has to, you have to have a degree in your tick. And, mm. you know, and the the setup in, in Gloucester Dulig in Dublin is a nice setup whereby it's kind of the classes are in the evenings and it kind of suited. I can still keep working um, part time at least and, and do the degree. And um, like I say, I'm, I'll hopefully get a film out of it if I can yeah. get it done on time. <laughs> so that that leads very nicely to my next question, which is, mm-hmm. Is there anything that you would like love to do, like dream project that you have not yet done? I'd love to work on features. Yeah, because that's the thing. Uh, again, the kind of person that I am, I sort of mold myself to the situation. So in TV, you just don't have any time. And I probably haven't talked enough about that. But like suffice it to say that deadlines are super tight. So you don't really have time to think about anything. So you kind of have to go on instinct. Mm. So as a result consciously or otherwise I think what I've been trying to do is develop better instincts because that's the job is like you just work yeah. so I'm trying to you know look at all these whatever podcasts or interviews or anything you know whatever paintings stories songs whatever anywhere you get inspiration I mean that was another important thing that I sort of again has been hit home to recently which is that don't just watch cartoons to learn about cartoons you have to watch everything mm. because if you just watch cartoons and you're only going to do what the cartoons did before you or whatever so you have to take inspiration from 
you know, anything, art and podcasts and people and, yeah. you know, whatever, celestial events, like anything, you know, yeah. that's, you can't just limit your inspiration. Be inspired by the whole world. Yeah, you kind of have to be inspired and curious and interested kind of um, um, in everything. So I, so I feel like I've been doing that, but I want to, yeah, I'd love to work on features because actually then I have some time to think mm. and try and work things out and really find the best ideas. Like, again, like I say, the kind of small print is on time, find the best ideas on time and on budget. But actually, in reality, that's anything but small print. That's, you know, written yeah. on the wall, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's giant print. Um, and so, do, you have yeah. a, do you have a particular story or or script that you think would be a great feature or is it more just the getting to do that as a, as a form yeah I'm, i've always kind of believed in walking before i can run like even my grad film i was like well if i'm gonna write and direct and do all the backgrounds and do everything on this film i haven't really got time to come up with a story so i literally went through a book of edgar Allan poe short stories and i found the shortest one and I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't have to think about the story. I can think about everything else I do this. So I think it would be the same. It would be like, I just want to get one or two uh, under my belt, first of all. <laughs> and then I'll think about writing something. And, 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 and you know, again, it's, it's sort of a Hitchcock thing, whereas the theme will emerge, where he says the theme will emerge at the end. Mm. I'm very in awe of people who can come up with a theme at the very start and go for it. I feel like if I do that, I feel like I start preaching. You know what I mean? It's like, save sure, the world, yeah, kids. Absolutely. You know, so... It's like anything, you know, you, you try and be influenced by somebody's style or, or an interesting thing sometimes for writing as well is to think, how would, whatever, okay, Neil Gaiman write this. How would someone else write this? And obviously you're not going to write the same as them because you're you. So if you get in that mindset of trying how sort of other people might do stuff, it, you know, you're always going to bubble to the surface, right? So mm -hmm. um, there are things I want to say, but I feel like those just kind of bubble out whatever I'm doing <laughs> necessarily, <laughs> you know. Um, so in terms of that, I think probably um, if, when, whatever, let's try and be positive when I do get into features. Yeah, I'll, when, yeah I'm sort of happy to do anything that, you know, because it was the first time with my first TV series. You direct any show for your first TV series. Actually, the show I did was really fun. It was really nice and I was lucky, but I would have done anything. Mm. Like, well, oh, Barbie goes to the beach 12 or something. Okay, fair enough. But because you just want to do it and that's enough to get you through. And then as you get more and more used to that, you need something else to grab onto. But um, I feel like, you know, like people like complain about everything. Oh, Emoji movie, oh, Monopoly the movie. It's like, I'll do it. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? We'll yeah, yeah. If you don't want to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're not doing it, I'll take it. And we'll, we'll, we can say something interesting with that. I think, you know, I'm not sure they did, but I think we could, you know, yeah. it could be done. <laughs> and that's a very interesting point as well, that like you can kind of make the best of really any situation or any story as well. Yeah. I think, you know, as I say... Uh, it's probably back down to the craft thing, mm. you know, um, which is like, well, let's let's try and, and, and do this really well and let's do the best job we can. Yeah. And actually, and I kind of like that. I like, you know, I think it's an Irish thing. I like being the underdog. Really, yeah. I'm very uncomfortable <laughs> being the kind of overdog, whatever, <laughs> the kind of Goliath in a situation. I don't need that kind of level of um, expectation sure. or something like that. You know, well, you'd I mean, rather. think about it. I think expectations were quite low for, for example, Toy Story 3. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected yeah, that to that be. That movie is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. and I think everyone was like, "Oh God, the third oh, one." Oh yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. But I, expectations are pretty low for Toy Story Four. I don't know. I'm a bit worried about that one. We'll see what happens. I know it's kind of more nerve wracking now because Toy Story Three was so good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they pull it off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. That is That's all we nice. have time for. Okay. That's all we have time for now. <laughs> Sounds so professional. Um, I wasn't. Hopefully I Oprah answered a question. No, you were <laughs> you were great. And thank you so much for coming in and uh, for answering all of our questions. Is there any one last bit of parting advice you have for people listening? Maybe people who want to become animation directors someday? Yeah, just, I don't know, keep drawing. Keep, keep practicing. Keep doing it. I mean, there's one thing. You're going to set me off again. But certainly it's... A remarkably consistent finding. If you talk to any of your, you listen to interviews with any of your favorite directors, Steven Spielberg, Coen Brothers, Guillermo del Toro, whoever, they all, 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 all have been playing with a camera since they were like 10, right? Yeah. Or, and it's the same with animators. Like, you, you know, everybody's story is the same. They were good at drawing. At some point, they realized animation was a job they went for it. Um, most, not everybody, most people think they're the same. So if you want to be a filmmaker or an animator or something and you're, you know, 12, then just start doing it, you know, start, you know, getting your friends together, make stupid little films and all that kind of stuff. Because then the reality is by the time you come, 
you know, you are making films, whether you whether they're terrible or whatever, it doesn't matter. Finish them. That's the main thing. Keep drawing. Keep finishing, practicing it. But um, by the time then you actually come to make a professional film or something, it's not your first film. It's your twentieth mm. film. Mm. You know, and you have all that experience. You have that craft. You have that practice already. Even though it's throwaway and it was kind of fun and it doesn't, you never show yeah. them to anyone or something. It's not your first time. Yeah, doing something, it was all work you know? along yeah. the way. Yeah. So practice, practice, practice at whatever it is you want to be. Great. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much for joining us, listeners. To find out more about our guest, the Screen Directors Guild, or its animation branch, the Animation Alliance, go to www.sdgi.ie. 